All right. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I'm Mallory. I'm a part of the College of Preachers here at the table, and it is a privilege to proclaim good news over you this morning. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This morning, we are focusing on the Magnificat. I have promised my new friend, Mother Kara, that I will not come for Mary Did You Know? But I think she had a pretty good idea, just for the record. Church, today we proclaim the good news that we can tell the truth about reality. In the darkness of star-studded skies or the depths of our despair, in the breaking of our bodies or the triumphs of our souls, we know that God is present even there, overturning and upending realities to align with the kingdom of the divine. We tell the truth so that we can receive joy and hope from a good, loving God that is both here and forthcoming. Church, today I invite you to tell the truth and receive the hope of Emmanuel. Y'all, this scripture is like a 12-week sermon series. I'm about to have to do it in 10 minutes, so here we go. (laughs) Mary's song is a revolution. I have been rocking out to Tracy Chapman all week. I'm ready to go. (laughs) Uh, Mary's song, it's filled with this prophetic liberation on so many levels, and I do want to talk about all of them, but I won't. Um, So today, I'm going to hone in on Mary's truth-telling. Mary sings, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Mary naming her lowliness is important. Lowliness is the reality of her existence. She is a woman in a patriarchal society. She is not a person of significance. This lowliness is this designation for children and widows for foreigners, and others who were economically and socially impoverished. Mary names her reality and then continues with, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Y'all, this is either Mary dissociating or something really significant is happening here. Mary is taking hold of God's promise to be with his people, a promise held onto for generations while not neglecting the circumstances around her. Mary's on the bottom of the totem pole, but Mary is getting this prophetic insight into kingdom dynamics. Mary tells the truth about her worldly status while embracing the hope of her blessedness in this new kingdom where the mighty empires are brought low and the Marys are magnified. Obviously, in our reading, Mary is still pregnant with Jesus, and it's intriguing to me how the birthing process correlates with Advent. And before I go into talking more about pregnancy and birth stories, I just want to stop and acknowledge that that can be really tender, and it can feel corny and complicated, and so if you find yourself there, I would love to chat with you about that. In paralleling Advent and birth, I think we can probably pinpoint some obvious themes There's wonder, there's waiting. We can talk about how pregnancy in the last week lasts 1,536.9999 days, and there's probably a metaphor for Christ's return somewhere in there. 
<laughs> Those are all really important things, but I want to zone in on what happens during the final stage of labor. I want to talk about the truth-telling. Multiple stages and trans transitions happen during labor, but the final turn, the final moment before mothers start to push, there is this transition that is one of vulnerability and rawness. My midwives called it saying the magic words. After hours or days of laboring, women's bodies are weakened and worn out. The physical marathon of birth collides with this emotional and spiritual breaking point. It happened in both of my births. It's a moment of terror, exhaustion, frustration, excitement. It's a moment of being completely overwhelmed. The words almost overtook my body. The words escaped without me even being able to contemplate what I was about to say. I can't do this anymore. Well, I knew good and well that the joy of a Cameron and the joy of a Remy was on the other side. I was done, mentally and physically. These words, these namings of what was going on inside of me was a moment where my mind and my soul set my body free to do what it was supposed to do. Something deep inside of me came alive and brought those babies to my chest. The birthing process didn't end when the words, I can't do this, flew out of my mouth. Instead, they helped me free my body to engage with this biological instinct that's woven into my being to do this very work. Advent is a lot like the final transition of birth. It is an invitation to tell the truth of your circumstances and the circumstances around you so that Christ's joy and hope might completely fill those spaces. Truth-telling isn't defeat. It isn't giving up. It's how the kingdom of God works. To quote Father Spencer's good news from our Sermon on the Mount series, when you're at the end of your rope, you're at the front of the line because God is with the lowly in spirit and body. God is always present and at work. In naming our reality, we receive the hope of glory. We receive the hope of the mighty being brought low and the lowly being magnified. We receive reconciliation and redemption in our own corruption and the corruption around us. We receive hope. And you know what? Hope doesn't negate reality. Hope holds the truth of reality and the goodness to come. Church, today we proclaim the good news that you can tell the truth about your circumstances because a good, loving God is present, even there, overturning and upending realities to align with the kingdom of the divine. You can tell the truth and receive the joy and hope of Emmanuel. Y'all, I struggled this week to say yes to sharing a birth story as an illustration to Advent. It just seemed pretty obvious. It's kind of corny, all of the stuff. Um, but I also didn't just want to be a woman talking about women's stuff, you know? Uh, I didn't want to be ostracized to the women's pastor who's only allowed to have the authority to speak on women's issues. Y'all, Father Matt did ask me to talk about David and Bathsheba last time. Um, but y'all, I came running for this text. I was like real quick to put my name on the list there. I want to talk about women from the pulpit. 
I also wanted to undo the work that that is the only thing that I can talk about from the pulpit. And in telling the truth about my fear, I can undo the script that I am pigeonholed to this work. I can receive the good news of the power of women's voices teaching and proclaiming good news about two women giggling and singing over the crumbling of empires because there's these wonderful little babies in their bellies. We need to hear women teaching about Mary's Magnificat, proclaiming the goodness of Mary's body, sustaining Jesus, proclaiming the wonder of Mary prophesying over Jesus while he is tucked safely in her womb. Y'all, Mary's song is the bones of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. While Mary's body is physically nurturing Jesus, she's spiritually nurturing him as well. So, friends, what do we do with this good news? This good news teaches us that Christ's presence isn't a coping mechanism. We aren't clownfish scrubbing against our anemones so that we can sustain life in dangerous habitats. We don't rub against the anemone of the world so it doesn't sting anymore. Christ's presence is the permission to name that the world is an anemone in the first place. (laughs) Truth-telling allows us to bring low the empires around us and in us. It allows us to break the holds of mammon on our lives and the systems that we have benefited from. It allows us to look at the pain and hurt of this world and not be overcome. Without truth telling about ourselves, a situation, a circumstances, where does it go? For me, it goes right here. It weighs on my body and my mind taking up space it's not meant to occupy. It continues and upholds systems that work against those that God's kingdom came to exalt. When you hold the truth of reality inside your body and never let it out, what kind of work does that do for you? Christ has come to tell you that you don't have to push down the pain, hurt, confusion, and weariness. You don't have to turn a blind eye to the injustices we've played a role in. Christ's presence doesn't ask you to hide it away. Christ's presence names the pain for what it is. He names our complicities for what it is. And he stays there with you in it. He's not afraid of it. He doesn't resent you for it. He isn't waiting for you to just get over it. He is paving the way to freedom and healing from it. Deb's good news from last week rings true today. Even in the areas where we are the mighty, needing to be brought low. God's judgment is love, bringing us back and reconciling us to himself. And here's the thing. We don't have to hide our realities because Christ with us doesn't look like humans with us. Jesus doesn't break eye contact when grief gets too intense. Jesus doesn't deflect from your emotions because he can't regulate his own Jesus doesn't reprimand you because he's about had it with you. Jesus doesn't tiptoe around your anger so as not to set you off. Jesus isn't embarrassed or leveraging shame to wake you up from your complicities. Instead, Jesus says, I am present, loving you, even there. 
Churches, we wait on all things to be made new. We can trust that Christ's presence sustains us by acknowledging the lowliness of our circumstances. In naming reality, we break up and flip over the systems of the world that keep us and others from experiencing the joy and hope of Emmanuel, Christ with us. Beloved, where do you need to tell the truth of your reality today? Where do you need the good news that Christ is present, loving you, even there? As we inch closer to Christmas, as the birth pains of your circumstances in our world increase and it feels like the pressure may crush you, I invite you to tell the truth. I invite you to release it from your body. I invite you to let the Lord look down on your lowliness and call you blessed. Church, today, you can tell the truth and receive the hope of Emmanuel Christ with us. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.